are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's everybody doing? Locked On Browns, episode 202. Guys, look, as I told you, I had a very special guest lined up for this week. Uh, so, you know, without further ado, because uh, obviously busy, busy man, even at this time, uh, Mr. Daniel Jeremiah, for, uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, obviously fantastic graph, draft coverage, uh, you know, from, uh, I would say, probably starting January to late April. There's probably no other busier uh, guy going. Uh, Daniel, thanks for the time today. How's everything going? So everything's going well, just kind of uh, uh, decompressing a little bit after a long draft season. But uh, it's been nice. This is the this is the time of year where I get a little bit of rest, recharge my batteries, and actually uh, start watching some some NFL stuff after being buried in college for the last uh, like six months. <laughs> um, let me ask you one thing here. Obviously, the former scout in you, the guy used to write down the names on the card. Any party at all? Kind of miss those days. Uh, you know what I miss? I miss the excitement of draft day, of, of just seeing who you're going to get, and and then getting to that first mini camp and seeing what they look like when you when they get on your team. Um, those are that's the fun part of it. I, I don't miss the you know the 150 plus nights and the, the Hampton Inns and the Marriott courtyards uh, that that I could do without. So uh, this has been a pretty good combination because I've I've got a chance to still watch all these guys and enjoy watching the tape, but then. Uh, I sleep in my own bed, which is a, which is a nice luxury. Yeah, absolutely, you know, uh, a lot better than the continental breakfast, which is you know probably a stale bagel <laughs> and some terrible five-hour-old coffee. Uh, okay, getting to business here, Daniel. Obviously, there were three guys, in my opinion. You know, some guys had Josh Allen. Uh, you actually scared us that one Monday night. I had some friends at NFL uh, over there working with you at NFL Network. They're like, you definitely need to watch Path to the draft tonight. And I was like, oh no, oh no. And then you put out you know, the information that maybe there was some connection or, you know, some guys who knew John Dorsey. But at the end of the day, I feel there were three worthy guys capable. I don't think you could have really made a wrong decision because I think you could have had a, a, enough of a defense that, you know, nobody would have questioned why you did it. Um, what do you think, you know, as you know, someone who, who's been there, what do you think led this regime to finally say, you want to know what, you know, Baker is, Baker is the, the best in show here and, and this is the guy we absolutely need to have here in Cleveland? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, everybody, you know, had different orders. I would say if if you were talking to, just talking to the people that I know inside the league, and most of them, you know, they didn't have a need for a quarterback, so there's no need to, to, to tell you anything other than the truth. I would say the majority would have had Sam Darnold as the top guy with the sprinkled in a little bit of, of Baker. Um, I didn't have anybody that really had Rosen as the top guy, um, although everybody had you know, the best thrower of the group. Um, and then you had a couple, a couple, you know, not many, but there were a couple Josh Allen folks out there. I, I just think when you look at their decision, um, you know, I think when you look at where Baker Mayfield is in terms of how much he's put on tape, he's got really good tape. He's got a lot of starts under his belt. Um, I think, and they've even said as much that he kind of won them over in the interview process, not only with his, you know, football intelligence getting up on the board, but with his, uh, you know, with the, with the, uh, with the presence that he has, just kind of coming in there, he's impressive, and uh, and they fell in love with that. And I think you look at their history, and you kind of see, okay, you know, Brett had some of that, you know, obviously had a lot of that in terms of that swagger and that uh, that persona to kind of carry a room when he went in there. And I'm sure that you've got all those guys uh, from John Dorsey uh, to Scott McClellan to uh, uh, Elliot Wolf and, and Alonzo Highsmith, all those guys. 
uh, trace their roots back to that. So I, I think they probably saw a little bit of that there. Now, I, it, it wouldn't have been what I would have done. I still would have gone with Sam Darnold. I think he's got more to work with there. Um, but in terms of, of being uh, you know polished and kind of where you want at this point in time, I think Baker Mayfield uh, makes sense there. The question is going to be, is he, totally, is he totally tapped out or is there more ahead of him? Uh, obviously, you know, I mean, you have to see about, you know, uh, you know, the potential of, you know, switching to, you know, pro talent around him. That's interesting. Me personally, you know, and like you said it on Josh Rosen, oh, everybody kind of thought he was the best thrower. So for me, that kind of made the decision obviously pretty easy. That was the guy I would have taken. But of course, I don't know and get to sit down with him the way obviously NFL teams do. So, you know, obviously maybe some concerns could have been a rise there. Um, you know, Sam Darnold is the direction. I mean, we all felt they were going to go, and I mean, he kept coming back to it. And then finally, about 24 hours before, it was just seemed solidified that basically once everybody finally got into Dallas, that that it was over, uh, and you know, the, you know, the cat was out of the bag, so to speak. So it was interesting the whole way it played out, and obviously it made for a great draft night, which I'm sure the NFL appreciates John Dorsey for keeping it quiet as long as he did. I remember <laughs> the days of years ago. I think it was David Carr. The David Carr year, and nobody knew what was going on, and then somebody found David Carr's wife house hunting in Houston or whatever. So, you know, there it was, 14 days out, and the you know the cat was out of the bag on that one. Now, as far as the offensive line, um, look, you're you're basically never going to replace a Joe Thomas. Um, yeah. Obviously, the selection of Austin Corbett is this a, a theory? Maybe the Browns are going with. Look, we just want to find the top, the best eight, nine offensive linemen we can, and then somehow we're going to whittle it down to a group of five. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'd heard, even talking to somebody inside the building there, uh, which was, hey, the plan is, you know, we just, we're going to figure out a way to get our best five on the field. Um, you know, just accumulate as much talent as you can. Um, and you've got guys like, you know, Batonio, and then you draft an Austin Corbett, guys that have inside-outside flexibility in the history there. I think Zeitler, even if he had to, could kick out. So um, you, you've got some, some versatility there to see, you know, how, how are we going to get our best five on the field. Um, but I, I, look, not, there's nobody in that group that I just mentioned that's going to come close to being as, as productive as Joe Thomas was at the tackle position and being as effective as he was. Uh, but I think what you can look at is say, who is our weakest member of the offensive line? And sometimes that's a good way to judge an offensive line, not, not who is their best guy, who are their best two or three guys. You look and see how, what's the level of their fifth lineman. Um, and I think when the Browns, when you look at them and what they've accumulated right now, there is really no glaring hole. There's no just real, real weak link in that bunch, uh, which is, which I think is the correct way to build an offensive line. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if you know, you know, there, you know, everyone wants to bounty about you know three names as potential left tackles. Uh, I think if you put all three of them on the field at the same time, you'd still have a hard time, you know, measuring up to all that Joe did for this franchise. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and maybe it's good that they it wasn't a round one selection, and you know, maybe it's you know where it's not like okay, guess what, big boy, you're coming in, and uh, you know, th- this fan base is going to expect uh, almost eleven, you know, eleven thousand straight snaps. So, you know, don't yeah. be too nervous, and you're replacing a you know a future Hall of Famer things of that nature. So it is going to be interesting how it plays out. I, I think they're just going to you know, whittle it down as even that they get through preseason games and you know, with everybody helpful, I mean healthy, find their five best and just say, all right, this is what we're going to roll with for now. Uh, flipping over to pick four here. Um, you draft a cornerback at four. I understand as the years go on, the positional you know, need and importance of cornerback, it's just yeah. picking up and it's becoming greater and greater. Um, if I'm going to pick a cornerback at four, I'm thinking of names like you know Deion Sanders and guys of that return. Um, now Browns went and selected a cornerback here for the first time in a long time, somebody from Ohio State. So the Browns fan base is happy with that. 
Uh, I'm just a little concerned that maybe a guy who struggles to maintain weight, you know, in the mid 180s, is this a guy that was worthy of a selection of number four overall? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting discussion and the debate. The weight thing is the one that keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, as a football player, though, I mean, I had him as the fourth player in the draft. So the fact okay. that he took him fourth, uh, I can't, I can't complain about that. The only thing I could complain about was the number two guy for me with Bradley Chubb, uh, who was who was still available. So I, I would have gone in that direction. But to be honest with you, I gave Denzel Ward the exact same grade I gave Marshawn Lattimore, who I could not believe fell to eleven uh, the previous year and, and was the rookie of the year. So um, I, I think he's an outstanding player. This comes back to. Uh, when John Dorsey first got hired there, I had talked to somebody that was close with him. I said, what is his, uh, what's his uh, uh, impression of the roster here? And he said, well, he knows he has to improve at quarterback and he has to improve at corner. Those are the two priorities. And then you kind of go through the whole process in the offseason and um, you start looking at it and we all kind of go in different places and thought Chubb made all the sense in the world there. Why would they not go Chubb? Uh, but then it kind of came back to what his initial thoughts were on that roster, you know, which was a was a dire need, was a pressing need, and Denzel Ward is a big time player. I, I don't necessarily worry so much about the weight as some others have. Um, he doesn't play small in any way, shape, or form, um, and he's he's proven to be plenty tough. So uh, I, I don't think it'll be a, a major issue. He's just a, he's an explosive dude with a with a unique uh, skill set. He play inside, play outside, can do everything. Yeah, well, we're going to find out this year with two matchups with A.J. Green. He's got a Julio Jones on the docket, uh, Mike Evans as well this year. So, uh, you know, hey, Rook, guess what? I hope you saw the schedule because uh, you can definitely jump in the pool with two feet. Uh, guys, yeah, I, the, kid, the kid in Pittsburgh is pretty good, too. Uh, yeah, not to, well, I mean, that's that's in a different, you know, a different level. I mean, at least that, what, there, I mean, the size, Matt, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's not going to have to hit the buffet and, you know, hopefully stretch his body out, you know, Bobby Brady style. Uh, guys, <laughs> you're listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, guys, Major League Baseball up in full swing, so go ahead, check out Locked On MLB, any team you need, check out the guys over there. Now, Daniel, uh, as far as, you know, Nick Chubb was the running back selection at 35. Uh, you know, me and one of the guys I do a lot of the shows with here, we consistently bounded back and forth. He was a Bradley Chubb guy. I mean, he was a Nick Chubb guy. I was a Sony Michelle guy. Uh, at the end of the day, one went 31, the other one went 35. So obviously, both these running backs were really thought of highly. Uh, a Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson backfield. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talk. You know, whether Duke is going to be resigned or not. I think it is the correct way to go. I think he brings so much in the in the, you know the receiving game aspect of it. Is this a solid duo for an NFL team to run with for a three-four, you know, uh, era? I, I like it. I, I like the uh, I like the, the collection of the three backs, and this is something I've been talking to uh, you know teams around the league and offense coordinators, different guys. That the value of having three running backs it used to be okay. You had your bell cow, then it was okay. We got a committee of you know two guys. You can split it up. You got a pounder, and you've got a kind of a scat back to catch the ball. And now, when you look at what the Patriots did last year, especially what the Eagles did last year, it's become a three-man uh, job. And, and it not necessarily it has to be differing skill sets. They just want to be able to split the touches up amongst three guys. That way, you know, if you figure you're getting, you know, 25 to 30 runs a game, uh, you get or touches a game for those backs, they're going to be so fresh for every single one of those touches. Whereas a defense, you never get a, you're never going to have to, you're never going to tackle a tired runner. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of value in that. And when I look at the, the, the group that they have, it kind of reminds me of the Eagles from last year with Chubb and Hyde 
are two very similar guys. They're inside, hard, physical, bang, bang guys that remind me a little bit of what they had last year uh, when you talk about um, what's his name from uh, from Oregon, LeGarrette Blount, and you've got and you've got Jay Ajayi, the two physical guys, and then you have the third runner with Duke Johnson, who can do a lot of things out of the backfield, which you saw from Corey Clement last year, and and uh, and would have been Darren Sproles before he got hurt. So I, I like the makeup that they've got there. I think it gives them a real identity with two physical runners, 230-pound guys, and then you've got somebody that can that can be a little bit more of an outside runner, a, a screen drawback uh, in Duke Johnson. So I love the mix they have there right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, because uh, you, you brought up, you know, obviously you know, they felt they needed the quarterback. Uh, you know, obviously they needed the cornerback. I mean, the skill possession, I mean, the sp- skill possession guys, look, if everyone who's got the asterisk next to their name, you know, the three wide receivers, if that all works out, I mean, it's, you know, you've kind of put yourself together where you've got you know, almost a baseball lineup where you've got nine solid guys up and down the board, which is going to bring us to uh, here. Uh, look, you know, John Dorsey is never one to shy away from a guy who's got some red flags, maybe even numerous yeah. red flags. Um, fourth round pick, Antonio Callaway. Um, this was one thing that kind of irked me a little bit is, you know, if everybody, you know, everybody, well, if he had played this year, you would have seen it. He would have been the top receiver in the class. But it's also, well, why didn't he play? And, you know, yeah. so, I mean, it's it's big there. But, I mean, look, there's a lot of raw talent here with Antonio Callaway. Um, I guess it's going to come down to, uh, you know, did he do enough to prove to people that, you know, look, the, the, the college years are in the past. And is... Was there any questions, you know, about what his work ethic was like while he was at UF? Well, I mean, look, first of all, when you look at him as a player, he reminded me a lot of Percy Harvin uh, when Percy Harvin was coming out. He's got that that kind of uh, burst and explosiveness, punt returns, fly sweeps, all that. And then when you watched him, the reason why I think a lot of people said he was the most talented is because you look at two of the top corners, uh, obviously Mink is going to be a safety for the Dolphins, but he killed Mink at Fitzpatrick. He killed Tredavious White, who was awesome last year with the Bills. So he, he torched some of the top competition uh, in the SEC. So the skill set is, is what it is. It would have put him for sure as a top 50 pick and likely as a first-round pick, um, if not for the character. Now, I had him I had him kind of in that upper tier of, uh, of the risk level guys like in terms of okay he's worth a second round type he's that he has that type of ability so you would take that risk that's where I initially had based off what I had been told you know some of his issues and then and talking to more folks as we got closer to the draft it, would, it became it became apparent to me like okay this is not a small risk this is a major risk um, there's there's a lot of concerns there's issues there um, so I ended up dropping him down into my second tier of kind of those risk reward picks because that, and that put him more in that you know fourth fifth round range, uh, which is where he ultimately ended up going. Uh, but in terms of all the specifics of everything, I usually don't even pester my buddies and scouting about that. It was just kind of hey, is this a minor thing or is this a major concern? And I consistently got back from everybody, this is a major concern. I think the I think what kind of did it for a lot of people was was you know the, when the word came out about the failed test at the combine it was like yeah. it's like look man you've been out of football for a year you got this gift to be invited and then man you, really one more time and it, you know it's kind of, it's kind of like you know when you had the relationship and it was like well how many times does it take for you finally to tell her look it's over I just can't do this anymore yeah. and that was kind of the one yeah. with Callaway um, and the other thing was is a lot of us felt that you kind of needed two insurance policies, whether it was through free agency, whether it was through trade, you know, obviously, you know, as great as Josh Gordon is, you know, comes with a huge risk. 
Corey Coleman, unfortunately, you know, the health risks. So we, everyone felt two insurance policies were needed. It was great to bring in Jarvis Landry, obviously good in the role that he does. And then, you know, yes, they did draft a second wide receiver, but it was this selection of Callaway. It was like, well, now it's almost kind of like we might need a second insurance policy on the first insurance policy and then a third one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but look, you know, John Dorsey, look, a lot of, you know, finds a way to make these hit. And, you know, look, everybody's pulling for Antonio Callaway at this point. You know, hopefully, you know, now that he's got some money in his pocket, you know, the, some of the minuscule things and the, I mean, well, not minuscule, but some of the, you know, the, the prematurity things and the nonsense things are hopefully in the rearview mirror. Uh, one one I, thing, though, I would, I mean, one thing, Jim, I would not sleep on Damian Ratley. I've actually, uh, we'll we actually see how he does going through the going through the preseason, but I really liked him. I did him late in the process. Um, he's got some impressive tape, big, fast, uh, can get vertical, can can go up and win fifty uh, fifty balls. He's got some real tools there. I think that could end up being one that who knows? You know, if Antonio Cowboy finds his way into trouble and he's not in the mix, um, we might be looking back three or four years from now saying, why weren't we talking more about Damian Ratley? That was a heck of a pick. Yeah, actually, uh, Damian was kind enough to come on the show, so I got to know him for about, you know, about 20, 25 minutes of his time. And it was actually, it was like, uh, he carries, I guess, basically the late bloomer tag. Um, you know, he was, you know, high school in Texas, but his high school program wasn't big. He didn't do a lot of the camps as, as a younger kid. So, you know, ended up having to go the Juco route, you know, that way. So, you know, yeah, everybody, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it, it's weird because you get a 23-year-old guy like him who's established now with a, you know, college degree. Then, obviously, you look at, you know, the... Edmonds, you know, drafted by Buffalo, you get such a yin and yang sometime with prospects. Yeah. But uh, Damian really came away as an impressive guy. It, 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 he seems like a guy that you know he's gonna you know a little later to success, but it seems like there could be some success headed his way. Uh, one other pick that got everybody really excited. Um, love the versatility of what a guy like Jannard Avery brings you. Um, it's good. We're all kind of interested to see how he's using this role because here's a guy that can rush the passer, can play some linebacker, can chase some guys down. Uh, so go a little bit uh, for us on Jannard Avery. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. He was one that was a little bit polarized. Now, I I had him more kind of in that fifth-round range, but there were some people that thought he was going to go in the second round. Um, obviously tested really well. Um, again, he's just kind of a square body. Um, he can play off the edge. He's got a lot of snap, a lot of power. He's an explosive dude. I, just, I had a little bit of a concern just how stiff he was. I thought there were some issues there. Um, that would show up if he was ever going to have to play in reverse uh, and drop and cover and do those things. I thought that was uh, that was going to be a little bit of a concern for him there. But, I mean, you see him stacked inside. You see him rush off the edge, play over a tight end. Uh, but just to me, he was just a, a, an explosive, powerful kid um, that you got to find the right way to use him. And I didn't know. When I, when I finished him, I didn't know exactly where I thought he would fit best. You know, I, I actually liked him a little bit more coming off the edge than I did off the ball. Um, but you're talking about a six foot guy, so um, he w- he was a challenge for me. But no doubt, there was a lot of love for him uh, for some teams around the league. Had him as high as the second round. Interesting. So you know we're thrilled to get him. And, it, and the thing is, that they do need some outside pass rush here. Uh, you know that's why everybody maybe was a little bit surprised. Uh, you know that Bradley Chubb was passed on. Uh, guys, if you're mm-hmm. listening, whatever app you're using, guys, go ahead, five star review, subscribe, please. Uh, anything to help the show, guys. You guys are so great about that. Uh, just two quick ones before we let you go here, Daniel. Um, other than maybe Darius Geis, I don't know if that was the guy for you, who was the biggest surprise for you in how low they got selected? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, ooh, I could go in a lot of different directions <laughs> on this one. I would say I was probably surprised at Will Hernandez. It wasn't a, a massive drop, but I think I had him as my 20th, 21st overall guy. 
But I thought just because how clean he was, he would go in the first round. So for him to get to the Giants in the second round was a little bit of a shock there. Um, other guys that ended up dropping a little bit lower. I mean, everybody knew the, the whole deal with Mo Hurst was the, was the health concern with his heart. So uh, that wasn't a big surprise that he dropped down uh, as low as he did. Um, the other one I would throw in the mix, Ronnie Harrison. And I thought Ronnie Harrison was a borderline late one. At worst, he was a top 50 guy. Uh, for him to fall to the third round of the Jags, I thought was, was a steal for them. Uh, I, I think he's ready to play right away. If he doesn't come in and, and compete for a starting job early on, I'll be very surprised. I thought he was kind of a ready-made product. Yeah, well, it's interesting with Will Hernandez because obviously with the Giants and everything last year, oh, my God, the offensive line, the offensive line. And then you, you go out, you sign Solder, you draft Will Hernandez, and all of a sudden, I mean, you know, it, it shows if you you, know, you you have the capital and you want to put the commitment in, you can definitely turn a positional you know negative into a strength pretty oh, quickly. Yeah. Yep. All right, now we'll go to the other side of the coin on this one, Daniel. Uh, give me a couple of surprises on how high they went. Oh, gosh. Uh, how high they went. I mean, look, I, I was a, I was a, uh, a big fan of Tremaine Edmonds, and his brother plays really hard, and he's a dynamic, you know, explosive player. I didn't think he was super instinctive, um, <laughs> so that to me was a little bit of a surprise. The Steelers took him in round one. That one was uh, a little bit early, in my opinion, so that one kind of jumped out to me. Other ones that went really high, I mean, I think it was a bad year for tackles, and so that pushed some guys up. I was not a, a huge Colton Miller fan. Um, just really struggling against Texas A&M. He struggled against Oregon. I, I get it. He tested really well. and Maybe it's the, a situation where the best is ahead of him. But for him to go uh, where he went to the Raiders in round one, I thought was a little bit early. That was definitely one of the, you know these stunners of the night. And uh, it was, I mean, yeah, between him and Edmonds, and it was just, you know, I mean, the Raiders on a whole... Very interesting what's been going on. Uh, you know, obviously the selection of Hurst, you know, comes with you know the medical question, um, and, and then of course Arden Key as well. What do you think was yeah. the ultimate thing that held Arden Key as back as much? I mean, I know there was off field, there were questions about you know love for the game and stuff like that, but nobody seemed to want to gamble on you know th- that there was solid tape at some point. Yeah, I mean, look, he had really good tape uh, his freshman year, and then it was up and down this time. His weight, you know, is he going to weigh 230? Is he going to weigh 270? You know, that there's concerns there with the weight fluctuation. Uh, and then just didn't play hard all the time. So uh, there were there were concerns with what you saw on the tape, and then you factor in the stuff that's been well-documented off the field. Uh, I just think teams were a little bit leery. And, you know, it's uh, you're, always, uh, you're always a little bit of a victim of what's happened in the last couple years. And when I, I really think the Randy Gregory thing, now whether or not he has the issues to that level that Randy Gregory had. Uh, we'll, we'll find out in time, but uh, that was the name you heard come up, and I think that's what hurt him. Okay. Guys, it's been uh, Locked on Browns episode 202. Guys, follow the account on Twitter. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. No problem. It should be uh, it should be a fun year from the Browns. I'm going to go out and limit that they won a few more games than they did last year. <laughs> Maybe, maybe if you don't do anything June 1st, come on out. Jump in the lake with everybody. It'll be a blast. Uh, yeah, there you go. I'm going to leave that to you. I'll send that one out. <laughs> All right, Daniel. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.